Hey guys, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here at City Light. If it's your first time, I just want to especially welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a lot of options on Sunday morning. Um, there's a lot of other churches. There's also like TV and the bed. There's all sorts of really good options. Thank you so much for joining us in all seriousness. Um, we think faith is sacred and we think it's an honor and a privilege and a responsibility that you trust us with that. So thank you for coming. Um, I wanted to start off by telling you guys about a project I've been working on. I don't know if any of you think that like time off, the holidays, is a good time to start projects. Did anybody start a project in the last month because they thought this would be a good time? Yep, we got one. One huge mistake right there, yep. Uh, so we, I think I've shared about this, but we had, we had a, a semi-carpeted finished basement in this, new, this house we bought a few years ago. Um, there were carpet tiles, so you could move them around, pull them up, rearrange the patterns if you wanted to, or in our case, take them out when cats peed on them. So um, that's what we would do, and eventually we ran through our extras, and then we started having just bare spots. So it'd be like carpet, 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 concrete, carpet, 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 concrete, and uh, we had a leaking issue and all sorts of stuff. So we've been saving up to deal with this, and we finally got rid of all the carpet squares. We bought this, like, those interlocking. They're, like, waterproof. Water, they're all these things. They even, like, in the advertisements, they're like, you can lay these on top of pretty much anything. It's a floating floor. It's like, this is perfect. Sounds so easy. So we bought them. Same day, I was like, man, I'm just going to jump right in. You know, we're going to be done this in a week. Okay, that was a month and a half ago. Um, I, I got, like, 60% of the way done. And then I, I was like, man, this is going great. But I did kind of notice there were some spots where it was a little bit spongy. So I stopped and, and, I, and I had a, one of those mini panic attacks where you're mid-project and you realize maybe you've been doing it all wrong, right? And so I started walking around the floor and there was definite like holes that you would fall into. Like, and, but you can lay this over anything, right? So then I went and reread the directions and it was like, yeah, but... And so then I called the place, and I, and I asked some questions to the installer, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you really need to level out your floor. I was like, wait a second now. No one said anything about leveling out a floor, and I've already opened, like, 30% of these boxes that now it says here you can't return them. So I tore up the floor all the way back to the beginning, and for the last month and a half, this is, this is my life. I go downstairs, I lay one strip, I lay another up. Oh, found a spot, tear it back up, get out the leveling concrete, level it. You can't just like level it and then keep going. You have to wait 24 hours. Then you budget time. Oh, laid one strip. Hey, that worked pretty good. Laid another strip. Oh, and I'm not like an idiot. I've tried to find them. Okay. I've literally crawled around on the cement floor with a four foot level so many times I can't count. This is I, literally, I was having a hard time falling asleep last night because my lower back hurts because of this horrible, stupid project. That was all Mandy's idea. I just, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I mean, you know, the truth will set you free, honey. So um, it is, I have, you know, you're supposed to self-level in like a couple places. I have basically using, not using concrete, but using the self-leveling stuff, poured a new foundation for my whole freaking house. I mean, it is more than 80% covered. There was basically like two high spots and I had to raise the whole house to meet it. Can you tell I hate this project? And, and I know, like, I'm down there like, you know, and that's me spreading concrete, in case you didn't know. I'm not just making that noise in the basement. Maybe sometimes. But uh, and I'm just spreading the concrete, and I'm no, like, God's teaching you stuff. Don't you hate that? 
There's so many lessons here. So here's a lesson. Ready? Here's a lesson I was learning. A lot of times in life, we want to just take the easy way out, don't we? I wanted to just lay that floor, put the furniture back down, and be done in a week or less. But in order to do this right, I have to take it painstaking one foot at a time. In order to do it right, I have to be willing to do this work that you're never going to see. When you come to my house and see this beautiful floor with no indents when you step on it, you're never going to see all the stupid concrete underneath of it. No one's ever going to know except me. But it's worth it because if, you, if I didn't do that, you'd be like, wah, wah, walking around my basement. There'd be cracks. It would break. <sighs> I'll tell you what. When I'm done this, if one of those planks breaks in the first 20 years, I'm going to be really mad. Like, this better last the rest of my life, okay? Um, you know, so you have to be willing to do the long work. But we hate that, don't we? We hate that feeling. We want to get it done and get it done quick. We want the easy way out. That's why, what, what's like popular, the, the get-rich-quick schemes? Those are never true. Have you ever seen those? Come on now. All right, now Mandy and I may have fallen victim to a couple of them in our lifetime. All right, I'll tell you one. It was a religious one, which makes it even worse. Okay, that we, 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 Mandy found this one. I didn't tell you I was going to be, you know, constantly throwing you under the bus this morning. Sorry. Um, so we, she found this one where the, it was like these crosses that you're going to make, okay? So it's like two nails, you know, nails from the cross. They, weren't, they, were, they didn't say they were actual nails from the cross, fortunately. I think we would have figured that one out. And then you wrap them in wire. And Mandy is like, this is a great way for me to make some money from home. So she tried two of them. And she was like, I don't know if I can do this. She like, but I really want to see if it works. So I made 50 of these things. And we sent them to the thing. The thing is, you make it. It's a true story. Don't shake your head. You make them, and then you send them off, and then you get paid, which they didn't tell you at a time, if they're good enough. Guess how many of my 50 were good enough? Zero. And I had, we pay, you had to pay for the materials up front. And they're like, we can send them back, and you can try again. I was like, uh, no. We are not doing that. Isn't, can you believe that? Scammed. I tell you, there's no, you're not, you don't get something for nothing. There's no get rich quick. The same with dieting fads. Have you ever tried a dieting fad? Come on, now no one wants to raise their hand, but I know there's a good percentage of you that have. They don't work. What they do is they take the weight off, and then as soon as you start eating like a normal human being again, it comes back, right? I'm not going to eat any food at all except for peanuts, right? It's just the craziest diets. I actually read about an all ice cream diet one time. Now that one I could get behind. I think that, I don't know that it would work, but at least you would enjoy it, right? I think that we take this mentality into our prayer life, and I know I do, where we just want to, we just want to pray one time, and God's going to just move heaven and earth to do what we want. And then when he doesn't do that, we're done. Well, I guess, I guess God didn't want, guess it wasn't his will, or you get mad at God. I think that we want to have yes instantly all the time. I have a clip from one of my favorite movies I want to show you to emphasize this point. So this is from Bruce Almighty. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but um, here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so many cultural references, as I was just watching it, thinking about, there's like half the crowd who probably doesn't get You've Got Prayers from You've Got Mail. How many people were not old enough to ever see that, right? There's a ton of you. And Juan Valdez. I grew up watching Juan Valdez commercials, but there's like a ton of you who have never seen that guy before. All right. Anyway. Whew. Just as I aged as I stood here on stage alone, I just felt the years passing me by. But that's what we want. We want yes to all. I mean, but we don't really want that for everyone. We just want it for us. 
Yeah, we want, we want God to be like instant yes for everything that we pray all the time. But then if you really like think a little bit more about that, do you really think about some of the prayers you've prayed in your life? Are there any prayers you've prayed that you're glad that God didn't say yes to? I have a few. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird because we think we know better than God. But sometimes he doesn't. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes he knows better than we do, right? I think that this mentality of I want my prayers answered the way that I want them, when I want them, what it stands in the way of is us developing any sort of perseverance in prayer. We either get it or we don't. It's a yes or a no. We have no room for a gray area of prayer development, of, of maybe or of wait. Like the whole concept of waiting on God is so foreign to the, uh, to the culture that we live in right now. It's, it's a broken system where we, are, we demand, everything is on demand, and we never develop those muscles, those spiritual muscles, those emotional muscles where we wait on God, where we persevere, where we pray through something. You pray until God does something. And there's a whole lot of baggage with those two phrases. If you've been in church for a long time, I'm going to deal with the baggage in a little while, just so you know. All right, but what if, your next prayer could be your final prayer. And I don't mean you're going to die. That's kind of scary. Your next prayer could be your final prayer. <laughs> right now. But what if your next prayer, like if you're, if you're praying about something and you just, what if one more time, that could be the time that God breaks through. So Samuel is, uh, is my oldest son. And he, his whole life growing up had horrible, horrible stomach pain. And it was just a, it was a family, like, um, it, was, it was an issue that drove the whole family. Like, we, we couldn't go out to eat very often because it was just a painful, a painful experience for him. Um, the, it would interrupt sleeping patterns for all of us. And, and honestly, it would, just, it would interrupt every meal. Halfway through the meal, he would have to go spend time not eating because the pain would just come in waves. It was so intense. And we did tests, and we did, um, like, dietary studies. We kept a journal for a month and a half when he was young and, like, wrote down everything he ate. Doctors couldn't tell us what it was. You know, and so what they do when they can't figure it out is they just chalk it up to, like, you know, irritable bowel syndrome or something. Like, some, it, he has some undiagnosable stomach problem. And um, so, but Mandy and I just kept praying. And this was, like, 13 years. We just kept praying, God, we pray that you heal Samuel's stomach. God, we pray that you heal Samuel's stomach. Heal this pain. Deliver him of this pain. God, we pray for a miracle. We pray for a breakthrough. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Keep praying in the face of God, obviously not answering the prayer we wanted him to. Right? Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And finally, there came this day where Mandy kept having this sense that I believe was from God that he needed to have this one test done. And she asked for it for like three or four years and the doctors would not do this test. Finally, they... Um, they gave in, did the test, and it came back uh, positive for, um, what is it, lactose intolerant. Duh. This is the easiest solution in the world, which is what I was praying for. God, I pray we could solve Either you heal him, God, or you give us an answer. I remember we came home from that. He was young then. We came home. We told him. I think he was 13. We're like, hey, we found out you have this. And he was overjoyed. <laughs> that we actually had an answer. And literally, it changed his life from that day forward. It was, it was a healing. 
You know, it wasn't God miraculously healing him, but it was God answering our prayer. God, if God hadn't kept putting that on Mandy's heart, I don't know that we would have pressed through to see that. But we definitely wanted to give up. How many things, I wonder, have we not seen God do because we aren't willing to continue to pray in a certain direction? So Jesus addressed this when he told this story. Now, um, this is in the book of Luke. Luke is one of the followers of Jesus, and this is one of the four eyewitness accounts of uh, the life of Jesus. And Jesus tells stories to relate spiritual truths in everyday terms. Okay, we call them parables. You don't have to use that word, but it's, it's a story. This is not a true story, right? It's a story he's telling to illustrate a deeper truth. He says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This is the point. Now, if you go back um, in Matthew, uh, the, one of the other eyewitness accounts, Jesus, his disciples come to him and they say, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus teaches them the, the most famous prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Many of you have learned that. The next part he says is he tells this same parable, slightly different, but the point is, let me teach you how to pray. Here's how to pray, and by the way, you're going to have to learn to pray over and over again. It's part of the deal. He says, listen, I want to tell you this story so you can learn to always pray and not give up. There's some other ways to translate not give up are never stop, never lose hope, not lose heart. We need to I mean, what happens when you pray, especially the more you care about what you're praying about, you get discouraged, and then you want to give up, and you want to stop praying, which might be the exact opposite of what you should do. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now, he's not saying that this is what God's like. Clearly, the judge is an antithesis of what God is. Antithesis, that's not a word antithesis. That is a word. He's the opposite. We'll use smaller words. He's the opposite of what God is. So he's saying even this evil judge will make a good decision. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Now he's not saying that when we pray, we're bothering God. Okay. So he's giving us the lowest common denominator, and then he's going to say, now, what do you expect from God? That's what he's doing here. I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God, right, who's much better than an unjust judge, bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, so what he's saying here is, when I come back, so Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven with a promise to come back again. When I come back, will I find faith on earth? And I think what he's talking about is, will I find people who are still willing to pray like this? When I come back, will we have an instant culture where no one's willing to pray more than once, more than twice, more than five times? Or will I find people who are willing to continue to pray other things that Jesus said about prayer were to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. For those who ask will be answered. Right? You've heard that before. We're, there's, a, there's a persistence to prayer that we all lack. And the, the idea is, what if you prayed one more time, if that was the prayer, 
where God moved in a way that you could see. Now, I, pr- I believe when we're praying, God hears all our prayers, and I believe he's responding to our prayers, but we're not always seeing what we want to see w- with our prayers. Okay? But what if your next prayer could be the one where God does something you could tell? Listen, look at all these. I just threw up some other random verses just to kind of reinforce the point. In Romans 12, be constant in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. In Colossians, devote yourselves or continue earnestly in prayer. This is the biblical model of prayer. And I, I think that, can I just say, without like speaking you know, ill of other parts of faith, there, there are some theologies out there that what I would say is they elevate or they, um, they celebrate the instant miraculous answer to prayer above all other answers to prayer. And so if you pray a prayer and it happens immediately, you get to come on stage and share that testimony. Those are the ones we want to celebrate and talk about. And I think that has been to the detriment of 95% of other prayers. Because in my opinion and in my experience, most prayer is not answered in a miraculous, instantaneous fashion. Does that mean that God can't? No. And does it mean he doesn't? No, I believe he does. But I believe more often than not, God answers prayer over time. And so when we as a church only celebrate the instant, miraculous, wow moments, we make everyone else feel like we're second class, and we discourage each other. I would love to tell stories like the one I just told about Samuel. I love to tell stories of God over time doing things. Isn't there such a beautiful um, picture of faith when you see someone who doesn't give up? Let's celebrate those as much as we celebrate the instant ones, too. Can you, let's agree to do that. All right, so here we go. I'm going to give you three thoughts, and then we're going to close. So how can you apply this passage where Jesus is talking about this unjust judge, and he says, listen, I want to tell you this story so that you can keep on praying and not give up. So I'm going to tell you three things I think that we can do. First off is when in doubt, just keep on praying. I was, um, I'll tell you a couple stories of my life where prayer has been something I, you know, I don't always do this, but a couple of stories where I've stuck with it. Um, so before we planted this church, we were coming out of another church, right? We were planted by another church. And we were trying to figure out how all of that was going to work. And there was, um, there was a lack of peace in, in the leadership. And the way that we led and the way that we still lead is we don't like to move unless we feel unity about a decision. Unless we feel peace about a decision. So we were kind of holding off at a standstill. And I remember this whole summer, I took every, every time I mowed the lawn, I spent that time praying about this issue. And I started praying this prayer, God, give us an idea that will give peace to everybody on the team. I couldn't think of what it was. And I tried. And we had had multiple meetings where we would give our best ideas and it just wasn't working. And so I just started praying, God, give us an idea that will bring peace to all the team. God, give us an idea that will bring peace to all the team. It wasn't happening. We were still meeting. We were still talking. Wasn't happening. Wasn't happening. Wasn't happening. I couldn't think of it, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep praying. And then finally, out of the blue, Jonathan got this idea. And I also was praying, God, I don't care if it's me. I mean, I want it to be me. I want to come up with the idea because I'm selfish like that. But whoever it is, I don't care. And Jonathan got this idea, and he came to me, and then we went to the rest of the team, and he said, what if I bridged the gap between the two uh, churches for, for the first year and a half? And it was such a, uh, a sacrificial offer for him. But the idea just came to him, he said. He's just, you know why? Because we've been praying for it. 
And, and, and it took time. It had to be the right time for the idea to come. His heart had to be in the right place. God had to work in him. And the rest of the team had to be ready to hear it. If God had told us that right up front, I don't think we would have done it. Because we were so gung-ho about planning this church. But he, God worked in his heart to bring him to a place of humility where he said, listen, if this is what it takes, I'd be willing to go every other week for the first year and a half. And I thought, wow, that's just such great character on Jonathan's part. What's really exciting about telling this story is this is his last Sunday not being with us. Next week starts full-time Jonathan with City Light. So you should applaud that. But I learned that lesson. I just kept praying, and I, I didn't know what else to do. I love this quote from the book, Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. He says, I don't know if you've gotten a yes, a no, or a not yet, but you've got to praise God if the answer is yes, and trust him if the answer is no. If the answer is not yet, you've just got to keep. Now, he talks about, he talks about circling things in prayer. That's his, that's his whole metaphor. But you just got to keep praying. It's always too soon to give up. I'm going to tell you, that's a challenging statement. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But it's always too soon to give up. What other option do you have? To pray or not to pray? Those are the only options. And so sometimes you just have to keep praying. Secondly, trust God when you don't understand. There are going to be times when you don't get it, where you don't know how God is going to answer it. So I'm currently, for the last, it's it's probably been close to a year, I've been praying the same prayer every day. So I read this article by a church planner um, who has a similar heart as mine. You know our vision to seek love and care for people like Jesus does. So we want to get outside of just doing church for church people. We we don't want to do that. That is not in our DNA. We don't want that. We want to reach people who feel far from God, who feel disenfranchised from church. We want to offer them an easy path in to meet Jesus, to find faith in community, right? And so there's a verse where Jesus is teaching, it's in Luke 10, 2, and he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's using the harvest as a metaphor for people who are far from God. And he's saying, pray for me to send, not me, but Jesus, to send people into the harvest, out into the world where people are far from God because it's ready. People are ready for the message of Jesus. What we're lacking is workers. We're not lacking people who are hungry for God. We're lacking messengers. We're lacking people to go and invite. We're lacking people to go and share their faith. We're lacking people to go and pray for their neighbors. We're lacking the kind of faith that keeps on praying for your friends and family to find Jesus and find faith in him. And so this guy in this article said, at 10.02 every day, Luke 10.2, at 10.02 every day, he just prayed God. Send workers into the harvest. So I said, well, I could do that. <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, I get intimidated by praying for a long time, just to be honest with you. So I set an alarm on my phone for every day except for Sundays, because that would be awkward. And, and anybody who's hung out with me around that time, you've heard that alarm. And it goes off. And if, when I'm with other people, I act like I'm not praying, but usually in my head I just say a quick prayer or I'll try to remember to do it later. But I, I pretty much have prayed every day. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what I hope happens, but I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is nothing could happen, except for I've gotten more persevering in prayer, and my prayer muscles have grown, and my character's gotten better because I'm not a quitter, and I don't give up easy. 
So those are the worst things that could happen. The best thing that happened is a bunch of people come to City Light who find Jesus and find faith and find community. What you all are experiencing, what I'm experiencing, what we love about City Light, more people will find that. I mean, I'm convinced there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who live in a five-mile radius to this building who need Jesus. And maybe all they're lacking is an invite. So I'm just going to pray that every day. I don't know how long. I don't want to make a promise to you that I can't keep. But I'm going to keep praying it every day. You can join me if you want to. But you got to trust God when you don't understand. I want to answer some of these questions. Like, why would God delay? This is some of what you might be fighting about. But gee, Christian, I don't understand. If he's a good God, why would he delay? So I want to just throw up a couple ideas. First, what if God is doing things you can't see? Like, I haven't seen 50 people come to City Light who don't know Jesus yet but I'm believing that God is going to answer this prayer. So what if he has to do some things that we can't see? One of the things he could be doing is he could be bringing an individual to our church who knows a bunch of people who aren't in our church, but first he has to get that person here. And maybe that person's only going to come when one of you invites them. And so God's working on your heart because you're afraid and you're scared and you're like, I don't know, I don't want to be that guy. Just kidding. It's not on you. It's on God. But you never know, like so-and-so invites so-and-so who invites so-and-so who, boom, all of a sudden opens the floodgates. You just never know. What if God's doing something you can't see? See, we've all got stuff we're praying about. Some of you have given up on it. And some of you, you're like, you know what, Christian? I've got something right now that I'm praying for every day. What if God is working behind the scenes in that thing? You know, you could be a teenager who's praying for God to give you clarity about your future. And, and it's not happening. You don't have clarity. You could, be, you could be a young adult. Maybe you're looking for someone to marry and you're just like, God, it feels like nothing's happening. I pray this every day, but I feel like nothing is happening. Maybe you've got kids and you're like, there's this issue with my kid. I mean, I'll tell you what, that is just one of the most heartbreaking things to be praying for a health issue or be praying for an emotional issue or a friend issue with your kids and it's just not changing. You just keep praying. Maybe you've got an issue in your marriage and you've been praying, God, I pray you change my spouse. Every day you pray it. That's a joke. You're not supposed to pray that prayer. You're supposed to pray, God, change me and my spouse. Just don't, just don't say it as loud. All right? You know, maybe, maybe you're an empty nester and you're like, God, what's next? And it just feels like, like a blank slate and you're not sure what God wants to do. You don't know what God is doing if you don't know what God is doing. <laughs> so you can ask for wisdom. What if God's timing is better than yours? We should probably just cross out the what if and just say, God's timing is better than yours. Okay? You might be praying and you're like, I want it now. And God's like, trust me, you don't want it now. You can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. There's another just for people 40 and older. There you go. What if God's timing is better than yours? I, I, I believe that if Jonathan's idea about sharing, him being the bridge and working at both churches and kind of helping them transition from having us both on staff, that idea had a time when it was right. A year before that, if that idea had come to us, we would have said, no way, no, we're going, we gotta go. But our hearts had to be softened. We had, we had to understand the burden of the other church that they were carrying by sending us out. We had to be softened. What if God's timing is better than yours? What if what you're praying for, God is saying yes, but not yet? 
What if God's more interested in working on your character? Once again, you don't need a what if here. God is more interested in working on your character than he is in giving you what you want. That's always true. And I hate that, right? I hate that about God, but it's true. You know, sometimes I'm just like, listen, God, can't we just do one of these where I don't have to learn anything? You know, just answer the prayer. All right. But there, you know, God is like, you know what? That's a great prayer and an opportunity for me to make you more kind. That's why the secret is don't pray. No, I'm kidding. Um, God wants to work in your life. God wants to teach you patience. He wants to teach you kindness. He wants to teach you joy in the midst of suffering. What if there's just mystery? I mean, it would really stink if you could explain everything about God. I don't know that he would be God then. What if there's just mystery and sometimes you just don't know? Okay, why does God say no? We've got just four minutes left just so you know. So the, the band can start coming up. Why does God say no? Sometimes, and you might not agree with this, you might believe that God always says yes to every prayer. I know that there are theologies that preach that, and that God's saying yes in the spiritual realm, but you just don't see it yet in the, in the physical realm. And I'm just going to just say, like, that's fine. I, I, there's room for you to believe that. Personally, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see Jesus ever saying to someone, well, listen, you were healed in the spiritual realm. I'm sorry that you can't see. Right, like when he did miracles, you, you knew it. It was done. He wasn't like, trust me, guys, this water is going to taste like wine someday. Just come back in 10 years. No, like it was wine, right? So why, I think that there are no's. I think there are God saying no in our time right now and maybe saying yes in heaven. So my first thing I'd say is don't let your one no become your no for all prayers. Sometimes I think we get a no and we're like, well, that's it. I'm done with prayer. I'm not praying for anything big anymore. I'm not praying for anything emotional anymore. I'm not praying for anything vulnerable anymore. You know, I prayed for my mom to be healed. My mom's chronically ill my whole life. I prayed for, you know, 30-some years. And, and there's definitely a part of me that has a hard time believing that God's going to do a miracle because of that. But I'm not going to stop praying for that. I'm not going to let my, that one no from God. God, God said no. I mean, I... I'm okay with that. God did not answer that prayer to heal my mom miraculously. She had multiple healings, and we had answered prayers throughout our lives, obviously. But you know, God also turns all things to good. And if it weren't for my mom's illness, I wouldn't be the person I am today. God developed in me a compassion that wouldn't have been there. So don't let the one no become all the no's. Here's what I would say if God's giving you a no. It really comes down to do you trust him? Do you trust him to know better? And it's hard when it feels like, God, I, I'm, I'm, pray, I'm praying for you to heal my, my child so that they don't die. Let's just go there all the way, right? And when God doesn't, because people die, don't they? Loved ones die and people lose their jobs and marriages break. I mean, painful stuff happens that you would think, well, God obviously wants to say yes to this. But the the truth is, we just live in a broken world. So sometimes we just need to trust that God is going to bring good out of that bad. So I know I threw a bunch of them up there because I'm running out of time. But sometimes I think he says no because he knows that it wouldn't be good for us. Sometimes I think he says no because we live in a broken world. And he's, he's not saying yes to everything yet. 
Jesus saying yes to everything would be heaven. And that's coming. And that's our great hope about all of this is that there is a day coming when Jesus is going to return and he's going to end all of the things that you're going to need to pray for because you, like, you're going to be fully known by God and you're going to fully know God and you're going to be fully healthy. You're going to be fully alive. And that day is coming. That's our hope in Christ. There'll be no more shame or guilt or bad decisions or uneven concrete floors. Please, God. That day is coming, but it's not here yet. I would lastly, I would say, in the end, it's relational. It's not magic. Prayer isn't like Harry Potter, you know? Prayer isn't like some incantation that you, you have to say it the right way. And, and, and you have to say it in the right order. And, the right, you know, and, and if you mess up one thing, God's not going to answer it. I, don't, I really don't think it's like that. It's relational. And sometimes I think it's okay to stop praying for something. So there I am taking my whole teaching and just turning it on its head. I'm sorry, but I think that's part of the tension we have to live in. We have to be big enough to handle this, that we're called to keep on praying. But then when you get discernment from God that it's done, it's okay. It's okay to walk away from a prayer and not feel guilty about it and not feel like you've ruined it. Because you know what? It, it, here's, here's what's hard to understand. Even though we need to keep praying, ultimately it's not up to you. So it's a partnership between us and God. And there, there's going to be times in your life where you're just going to be like, I feel discernment from God that this is done. You know, I mean, like you're praying to get this job and you don't get this job. Do you just keep praying for that? I mean, sometimes we can get stuck in the past and God's like, I got something new for us to pray about. Let's look forward and not backward. So I know that that can be hard. And, and can I tell you one of the best ways to handle that is community. No one in here is called to do any of this by themselves. And so one of the best ways to handle this right here where it's a no and you just can't decide and you're struggling with that guilt of stopping to pray something you've been praying for a long time, go to your small group. Get prayer. Open up. Be vulnerable. Listen to the wisdom of others. There's a proverb in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament that says that we surround ourselves with a multitude of counselors and we'll find wisdom. So go to community. But ultimately, this is what I wanted to say today. Your next prayer could be your final prayer. So don't give up, guys. What could you start praying for in this new year? What if you picked one thing to start praying for on a regular basis for the next month? What would it be? So we're going to do our response and uh, reflection time right now. At City Light, at the end of each teaching, we do a time of reflection because we don't want to just hear the teaching and run out. So we're going to sing one more song. We're going to ask you to stand up in a second. We're going to sing that song. Also, once a month, we take communion together. So over there, once, once the song starts, you can just head over there, grab the communion, and bring it back to your seat. If you're unfamiliar with church, basically what communion is, is it's a, um, it's a, it's a religious act. Religious act sounds terrible. It's uh, a symbol. That's better. It's a symbol of remembering Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so we drink juice to represent his blood being spilled on the cross, and we eat bread to represent his body being broken on the cross. And it's a, it's a connection point. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's a connection point for you connecting to the work Jesus did to save you. 
So I invite you to do that. You can sing the song, take communion. You can get prayer by the wall. We have some people standing by the wall who would love to pray with you. If you're struggling with a prayer that just isn't being answered and you want prayer, you want someone to step into that prayer with you, go get prayer. If you're struggling with any sort of illness or sickness today or pain, any emotional or financial issues, please, community, guys, go get prayer. Or you can stay just in your seat if you don't want, want to sing. And you can just think about, what's one thing I can pray about this, this new year? So let's stand together and sing this song. Go ahead and head on over to communion. And um, I want to just pray. So if you could just close your eyes with me. Jesus, we thank you that you knew that prayer would be a journey for us. And that you gave, thank you for giving us that example in scripture. And I pray that we would take it to heart today. I pray that you would encourage people in this room who have been praying and feeling like giving up and losing heart. I pray you would encourage us today with the word that we read today, God. And just with everyone's eyes closed, I want to just offer this. We offer this each week. If you are here and you're, you're like, I want to make a commitment to following Jesus. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you've been out of church for a long time or just far from God. And you know, I need to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus. It's a significant thing. We definitely don't pressure anyone into it. But if that's you, with everyone's eyes closed, if you just raise your hand, um, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. So if you raised your hand, just pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in, in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. I believe that the gift of salvation is a free gift I cannot earn. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I choose to follow you. Lead me, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, I'd love to invite you just to grab one of the Connect cards. They're at the table out there or there. And just fill out your name and email and write on the bottom, I raised my hand. That's all you got to do. And I'm going to shoot you an email tomorrow. Um, and just I have some stuff that I'd like to offer you. Okay, so guys, happy new year. Have a fantastic week. We look forward to seeing you next week as we kick off the Problem of God series. So have a great week, guys.